This is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz. I am Janice Liebowitz and you are my People of the Book. Another week, another pile of books read, I hope. Hope you all had a good Shavuot. Hope you enjoyed your cheesecake, blintzes, milk tart, whatever your um, choice was. And I am thrilled to have as my guest today, Arnie Whitkin, proud grandfather, father, husband. And Arnie has written a fabulous book, which I think is should be prescribed reading for absolutely everyone. He originally wrote this book for his adult grandchildren, and it's called It's Not a Big Thing in Life, Strategies for Coping, Considerations for My Adult Grandchildren. Welcome to the show, Arnie. Thank you very much, Janice. And Arnie, so just to give you, my listener, a background about who Arnie actually is, he was a successful investment manager and a pioneer in the private equity industry in South Africa. And I must be honest, when I read this, I kind of thought, oh, corporate, you know, you don't, you kind of think corporate, you know, stuff shirt kind of thing. But Arnie has written a book and you kind of think he's the type of grandfather that everybody wants. He's the kind of granddad you see on TV sitcoms. He sits in his armchair and distributes wisdom to everybody. He's the one that everyone comes running to with scraped knees when, you know, everyone shouts at them. And he's the one that um, is sitting there and he's ready with a hug and he's ready with the wise words. Is that what, who and what you are on? <laughs> is that what you've been to <laughs> the grandchildren? Well, I, my grandchildren, fortunately, do seek me out. I think that I do understand what they're going through because I think of myself at those various ages and, you know, the difficulties and enjoyments and the things that I had. Um, and I think that what's important is that I listen to them very closely and they know that they're not judged. Um so if they've got a problem, um, the first thing I do is I recognize their feelings. That's the number one criteria. In fact, it's for everybody, not just for children. Uh, once I've recognized their feelings, they feel understood. Then they're able to express themselves. I always try and get to, at some point, you know, how are you going to handle the situation? What are you going to do about it? In fact, that's one of the main messages of my book to everybody. You know, you've got something that happens to you. It's up to you. You're responsible for yourself. What are you going to do about it? And even my younger grandchildren understand that they've got to take action somehow. I think that's that's important for everyone, not just for for grandchildren. I think that's taking responsibility is something that everybody needs to learn and should learn as young as possible. And the other thing that you mentioned is that you listen to them. And I think that is a skill that is very slowly being lost, the skill of listening. And to be a good listener is, I think that that's something that is something very special. And I think it's a skill that as a parent, as a teacher, an educator, as a manager, I think that's something that everybody needs to relearn um, because I think it's something that, that a lot of people have lost along the way and a lot of people seem to have 
forgotten. We're going to take a quick break now. And after that, we will be back to get into this book a little bit further. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. I am back with my guest, Arnie Witkin, and we are discussing a fabulous book that he wrote for his grandchildren called It's Not a Big Thing in Life. And these are strategies for coping and Arnie was a successful investment manager, and since retiring, he's actually now, um, he's a speechwriter, public speaker, a public speaking coach, executive coach, and mentor. And Arnie, you, you didn't have a smooth path in life. I mean, it's not like you, you, you know, you didn't coast through life and, and reach this point, and you're not just dispensing this, this information and this advice because life was easy for you, and you thought, well, I had it easy and I know what's what. So I'm going to let everybody know, um, you know, how things should be and how they should get through life. That's not how this book came about, is it? No, Janice, I think that you get the most experience from your mistakes and from adversity. The greatest growth, like you ask any great business people or show business people, sports people, the greatest growth will come after some kind of adversity, some kind of knock, because when, once you've had those, those awful experiences and you pick yourself up, then you can achieve a lot more going forward. Now, if everything's perfect, I'm not talking to people who, where everything's perfect and things aren't perfect. Most people have got huge problems in their life. So if I've had those kinds of problems, then I know what it was like. I can know how I handled it. And also I can observe people who had those problems and how they handled it. And if I've handled adversity successfully, that's what I'd like to pass on originally for my grandchildren, but really for everybody who reads the book. So, yep, I was a very awkward teenager. I was very shy. I was very overweight a little bit at school. Some people called me Tubby. Now you've got to understand that in today's world, young adults like that have got it far worse because you've got cyberbullying, you've got this tremendous explosion of social media, um, and they can be subject to much more than just, you know, a little comment about Tubby. And I had a lot of successes in business and a lot of failures in business. And you learn from all these things. And the one thing you learn more than anything else is that when you fall, you've got to get up. You know, Mandela said, don't judge me by my successes. Judge me by the amount of times I fell and then got up. And that's one of the big things I've learned in life. Resilience. Resilience is everything. Life doesn't just happen. You don't just have one success after the other. You've got to have resilience. And that comes, you get resilience from adversity. And I think that's what a lot of people forget when they look at a successful individual, no matter what field they're in. I think a lot of people forget the path that, that it's taken for them to get there. They think that the path has been smooth. They think, oh, look, an overnight success. And they forget that that overnight success took years of hard work, years of misses before they got that hit. And people don't actually look at that or they don't know about that or they choose not to see it. And they choose not 
to look at the lessons that that person has learned. And you have chosen to now teach the lessons that you've learned from it. And you've chosen to give over that advice. And we're very lucky that you've chosen to do that. Um, obviously, your grandchildren were the first ones to learn from that. And I have to say that one of my favorite chapters in the book is your your chapter on relationships and, you know, starting off with, with family relationships. Um, that, that was most definitely my favorite chapter of the book because you, you talk about relationships with with parents, but relationships with children, friends, um, and, and all those relationships. And I mean, relation, those are the first relationships that you develop. And that's how you learn to develop relationships. Those are the first connections that you have. And that, that is most definitely my favorite chapter of the book. I mean, among many others. I mean, you, you just, you've broken this book, book up into many different chapters, um, general principles, um, relationships. Sex, how to handle stuff, money, work, and but I, I'm going back to this. But but my favourite chapter is most definitely the chapter on relationships. The most important thing in any ongoing relationship is that the other person and you as well, but you need to make the other person feel good about themselves. Now, if you're in an ongoing relationship and you're being criticized all the time or you're getting no affirmations. You're gonna, it's gonna be very frustrating and very harmful. So the, the single most important thing is how can I make you feel good about yourself? And how can I feel good about myself? And how can I let you know that I feel good about myself? And that very much has to do with your tone of voice. If you speak in a clipped tone, then you're gonna you're going to upset the other person. It's not conducive to a relationship. For instance, um, I gave the example in my book, which is a fairly extreme example, but it, but it works. Ronnie, my wife, went into a pillar outside our apartment. Okay. So she came into the, she came into the apartment very shocked. Oh my God. She said, I've just knocked over the pillar. So I, so I looked at her and she was very upset. I said, Ronnie, you must be so shocked. Look, it's not a big thing in life. Don't worry. I'll call the insurance company and we'll sort it all out. Relief. Now, what I could have said and what I think a lot of people might have said, I'm not going to say I'm a saint, but what I could have said, well, how could you be so stupid? Didn't you see the pillar there? You've got to learn to drive. What is this going to cost? Destroy the atmosphere. She's feeling bad enough as it is, and now I'm talking to her in a in a harsh voice, critical, blaming. What's the point? Why do you want to be in a relationship like that for? But people are. Yeah, and people, you know, it's the way you. It, everything's about choice. Everything is a choice, and you know, sometimes you you do have to take a minute or two to to make that choice, but the choice has a consequence and imagine if you would have chosen to speak to her in that tone of voice. And if you would have responded differently and if you would have responded um, in anger, then her reaction would have been very different as well. And that would have just gone downhill quite rapidly, I would imagine. But instead you responded, you know, in a way that made her feel quite comforted, I'm sure, and quite reassured 
that you weren't going to chop her head off for smashing the car up or the pillar. And, but the fact that <laughs> you were more worried that she was, uh, that she was okay. And it's just, a, you know, it's a car and you know, that she was okay. We're going to take another break and we'll be back to discuss a couple more concepts that you've brought up in this book. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. I am back with my guest, Arnie Whitkin, and we are chatting about a book that he wrote for his grandchildren called It's Not a Big Thing in Life. And it's a book that I would recommend for children of all shapes, sizes, ages. We're all children, um, but it's basically strategies for coping. It's wonderful advice. And it's, I don't know if you ever heard of a book called Life's Little Instruction Book. This is uh, a big instruction book. <laughs> it's how to cope with life. It's how to, it's advice on, on how to deal with things, how to, you know, we all think we know how to deal with stuff, but this is advice from a really loving grandfather who has lived life, um, ups, downs, good and bad. And these are his coping strategies. And he has decided, thankfully, for us, he's put them all in a book, and I really recommend that you you go out and get this book. It's not a big thing in life. Arnie, there's a concept in the book that you call the Miss Havisham um, concept. Tell me about that. Miss Havisham was a character in Great Expectations by Charles Dickens. Um, Miss Havisham was left at the altar. And the action takes place 30 years later, where the clock is stopped at 3 o'clock. The wedding table is still laid out. She's still wearing her wedding dress. I have to say, I distinctly remember the scene from, from, I obviously must have seen the film when I was very young. (laughs) And it's stuck in my head. I distinctly remember it of her sitting at this table with, it's, it's gray. I don't even know if it was black or white. It's, it's grayish and there's cobwebs everywhere and there's, I, I don't know what it was, but I have this picture in my head of this. Yeah. Right. I, I remember it. So this made a huge impact on me because she had a traumatic experience. Again, okay? being left at the altar is a traumatic experience, but she stuck with it for 30 years at the, this point. Now you could have said to her, after 20 years, you know, you're only 40, get a life. After 10 years, that's a huge amount of time. Five years, five years, it's a long time, Janice. One year, it's a long time, one year. Yeah. A month, you've got to be doing something in that month. Okay, you can still be very upset. But, you know, a week, a day, an hour, a minute, a second. Now, there's a timeline from the moment the thing happens to 30 years. So my my concept is somewhere along that timeline, you need to move on, if, if you want to, of course, and I assume most people do. The feeling that you have is a fact, and you can't just say, okay, get over it. So I say, fine, have that feeling for as long as you need to have that feeling. Now, in, but at some point... Whatever it is, maybe time just heals all wounds or, you know, 30 days, 60 days, it doesn't matter. At some point, you've got to get over it. And my strategy for coping, difficult things that happen to me, really tough, tough, tough stuff, 
was to say to myself, I'm not going to be a Miss Havisham. I am going to get over this, and I, I don't know when, I don't know at what point, but I'm going to get over it. And I give the example in the book where there was a transaction. I lost a lot of money. It was very important to me. And it was, the money was lost. And I thought to myself, okay, I was very upset, you know, for a day or two. And I thought, okay, I'm not going to be Miss Havisham. I'm going to get over it. Maybe in a week, maybe in a month. And once I was able to take that decision, once I could, once I was able to exercise the choice, because you can't always choose, choose, then I could say, okay, if I'm going to do it in a week, why not do it now? The concept of Ms. Havisham is a big theme in my life, and I, I know I've imparted it to my children as well, and it's a huge strategy for coping. And it's a very important strategy, and I know that I always say to people, you know, when things happen, and things do happen, life happens, and... um as we say, life doesn't go smoothly as much as we want it to. And people do say, I mean, uh, people, as much as we want them to and as much as we hope that people have been taught some sort of coping skills and people have been taught how to how to deal with things, one thing that people still are not sure of is how to help others and how to deal with others going through difficult stuff. And people do tend to say the most ridiculous things um, when when people unfortunately lose loved ones. Um, people tend to say to them, you'll be fine. It's going to be okay. When people are ill and people tell them it's going to be okay, they're going to be fine. Do you have a crystal ball? How do you know? That's the other thing. When, when people, as you say, you, you lost a huge business deal. When people are going through things, people do not know how to be there for other people. This is also something that you deal with in the book about being there for others. And you, you deal with, with death briefly in the book about being there for people when, when they lose people. And you, and you, you say go, go to a funeral and it's appreciated. And it's a very brief, it's a, it's, it's a couple of lines that you mention. Yeah. And, um, and it's true. I mean, obviously now with, with COVID and everything, it's not as easy. Um, thank God things have eased a bit. You are able to visit people and go to Sheba houses, but it is appreciated. I've seen it for myself, unfortunately. Um, it is appreciated, but people still don't know the right things to say. And I know that you are, this is something that, that you're quite good at. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when there are extreme circumstances, it's very tough and very awkward, I think. Awkward is a good word. In the, I think, in the Jewish religion, I'm not certain you would know better that when you go to a shiva, you're supposed to say nothing and wait for the person to talk. Yeah. Now, so people find that very difficult. People find silence very difficult. Well, you wait for the person to talk. Now, people come to me with very, you know, awkward situations, losses, difficulties with relationships. A lot of people talk to me, by the way. Um, and what I always do is I listen uh, so that they feel understood and I never say you'll get over it um, what I usually say is look you've got that feeling and you need to have that feeling because it's real 
you know, you would have that feeling as long as you need to. And at some point, I don't know when, you know, perhaps you'll move on. What, is there anything you can do to handle this? Um, that, that must have felt very bad. You know, when your boyfriend dumped you, you felt terrible about it. Uh, how are you going to cope with that? Do you have a plan? Do you have a strategy? You know, are you just going to, your feeling is your feeling. That's a fact. Keep it for as long as you need to. I'm here to listen to whatever you want to tell me. And I think that it's important also for children because I think adults often tend to put aside children's feelings and they, they tend to think that children don't have those feelings. And when children come to them and tell them how they're feeling, they're often ignored. Yeah, no, they can't be ignored. Well, I tell the one story in the book, which is about my son, David. Yeah. Who was the mini, who they had a thing called the mini council. And there was the city council. There was the, 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 the high schools had a. It's junior. So, they have junior. There's, yeah. there's junior. They have junior council. And then there's and the council. primary schools have mini council. Yeah. And David was head boy of his school. And he went to this mini council. And he was sure he was going to be the mini mayor. This was a shoo-in. And he prepared a speech and everything. And we go to the function, they're announcing all the people. And they, they're 12 councillors, they call them out. They call out the deputy mayor. And now they're about to call out the mini mayor. David takes his speech out of his pocket, and he's not the mini mayor. That was half, I found that heartbreaking, I have to say. Okay. So now he's in tears, practically. Uh, he's and he, he was point. only, he, I, I have to interrupt you and just um, let whoever's listening know, he was only 12 years old at the time. Correct, he was 12 years old. So he's sort of, he's sort of sulking in the corner and I want to go home and I'm saying, okay, you know, Davy, we can go home. It's maybe you should just congratulate the other man. Um, I can see you're upset. So we go home and I used to lie in bed with David and talk to him and Michael as well. And I'm talking to David and he's saying, you know, I'm so upset. I should have been the mini mayor. I said, yeah, Davy, it's a very upsetting thing. You need to be upset. No, you don't understand, Dad. How can I go to school tomorrow? How can I face my friends? They all said I was going to be the mini mayor. They were virtually congratulating me before we even went. I say, oh, this is a very tough thing, Davy. It's, yeah, you need to be upset. You definitely need to be upset. Um, I said, I wanted to tell you a story about Henry Fotheringham, whose nickname was Fothers. Uh, cricket's a big theme in my life, and David played cricket. Henry Fotheringham was the opening batsman for South Africa. And Henry Fotheringham had a very bad run, and he was dropped from the Transvaal A team to the Transvaal B team. And I said, you know, Dave, this was a big disappointment for him because it was public, it was humiliation, uh, oh, you don't understand, Dad. I, I said, no, I understand, baby. You know, keep your feeling. I'll just tell you about fathers. I said, he had to go and play for Transvaal B. I said, now, he was very upset about Transvaal A being dropped, but now he had to go into bat. And if he still had that feeling, then the ball is going to hit his head. He did his very, he, he, he focused on what he had to do, made 187 not out, and he was back in the Transvaal 18. So David thinks about this. Oh, it's not the same. He's upset. He says, and I'm just, 
totally patient. After about half an hour, he snaps his fingers. Daddy says, fathers, fathers, I've got to go to school tomorrow. I've got a cricket match. Fathers, snapped his fingers. So his Miss Havisham was half an hour. He moved in half an hour, right, from the totally being let down, not being many mayor, to fathers, I've got to move tomorrow. He was lucky. Uh, and fathers became a paradigm in the family, by the way. Uh, I had a huge problem once. He said to me, Dad, what about fathers? I said, yeah, I know, Davy, but I'm just trying to work out how. <laughs> it, took me, it took me a day or two. Pretty much touche there, Dad. <laughs> no, but, it, but fathers works. It works. Yeah. Me even now. Yeah, but um, yeah, lesson learned there. Lesson learned. But um, but the patience that you showed in allowing him to have that feeling. I mean, and and that was devastating for him as a twelve-year-old. Yeah. And and the patience that you showed in allowing him to feel that hurt and the pain that he felt over over losing that that mini mayor appointment. I mean, I felt it through the page. It was, I mean, you know, one of the, the, the worst things as a parent is to see your child feeling any sort of pain, whether it's physical pain, um, emotional. Emotional pain, I think, is probably worse than physical pain because physical pain you can do something about. Emotional pain is very difficult to do something about and to watch your child go through that. And the patience that you showed was, was incredible. But Janice, can I just say that that comes from being a 12-year-old, having an adverse situation, and somebody saying, oh, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. Forget it. Who yeah. cares? You know, somebody not recognizing my feelings and me having to go and deal with it in some way. Of course, you always deal with it. But but the feeling of, hey, the, the loss, that you've suffered the loss, and then somebody saying, what? it doesn't mean a thing. Don't worry about it. So now I'm saying what I felt then I don't want people to feel. So that comes entirely from an experience of being of an adverse experience. And knowing at the time that in future years when you go through something like that or when your child will go through something like that, you know you are going to deal with it completely the opposite. Well, I probably didn't know it when I was 12. (laughs) <laughs> but but I certainly, when I saw him, I had it other times as well, I recall that instance, how I felt, if you see what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. So when I'm 12, I didn't think about, I'm not going to deal like this when I'm a father. But when I see that I put myself in the shoes of the 12-year-old when I was 12, and I'm not going to just be dismissive. Yeah, it's huge. You know, we, we pack those experiences away and they're in the, the of, recesses of, of, of our mind. We don't even realize. And they yeah. come back when we see someone else going through it. And we know that we're not going to deal with that in the same way as it was dealt with when we were young. And we know that we're going to deal with it differently. We are going to be back after this break. And we are going to chat about a couple more concepts that are dealt with in this amazing book. I love it when you read to me. 
This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. I'm back with my guest, Arnie Witkin, grandfather extraordinaire, who has written this amazing book, It's Not a Big Thing in Life, Strategies for Coping, Considerations for My Adult Grandchildren, and buy this book and we can all be Arnie's grandchildren because these are strategies for coping that we all need. It's amazing advice for life, and I really do recommend this book. Arnie, at the end of this book, you, you give amazing advice for speakers. And I know that public speaking is something that they rank up there as one of, I think, the most scary experiences. And it's on the stress scale quite high up. And it's something that people would always choose not to do. And the, the truth is that that along our paths of life, we always have to land up some in some shape or form. We do always land up. Being public speakers, even though it might not be in front of audiences of hundreds, thousands, we always do have to learn up doing some sort of speaking of some sort. And we do have to learn some sort of way to speak. How did you come by this? I mean, I know you've come from a corporate background and I mean, the, the advice that you can give could probably fill tens of books. And, and you fit this into a couple of chapters here, but I mean, I know for some people, this is, this is their highest stress level. This, this really hits highest on the scale. What would be advice that you could give to people who, I mean, for kids, this is, I mean, we always laugh about, you know, the kids, they have to get up and, and do concerts at school. And for some kids, this is traumatic. And we wonder why they still make them do this. And they've got to get up in front of the class and make speeches and, you know, and as they get older, it does, for some, this does become more traumatic. And when you get older, you, you still like, if for work, you have to get up and give presentations, you have to go to interviews, you have to, there's always some, some way that you are going to have to present yourself and speak in front of others. What advice have you got to give to people? Public speaking has got to do with confidence. So, If you're going to make a speech, the most important thing is to have confidence. Now, the way to have confidence, in my view, is to have a brilliant speech. Now, people are afraid of speaking because they're being judged. Their their speech is being judged. Uh, And in their minds, they, they haven't got a formulated speech. So... My advice to anybody who's going to speak in public is to write down the speech very, very carefully. I, all my speeches were well researched, well prepared. Um, I, I knew exactly what I wanted out of the speech. And every public speech has got to do with three things. What must people think? What must people feel? And most importantly, what must people do? Now, when you start with what must people do, and you say, okay, I want people to buy my product. I want people to recognize what a wonderful couple this is. I'm speaking at their wedding. I want people to laugh. I want people to give money to the charity. What must people do? Then everything in the speech, every word, every sentence has got to do with does this word, this sentence, this pause, 
is it pertinent to what people must do? And then you write the speech. And once you've got a reasonably good speech, you will get confidence. The confidence comes from actually the work you put in. And now, <clears throat> now let's go back to what we said before. You're scared of speaking. I understand. You're afraid to make the speech. Okay. Why have you been asked to make the speech? You've been asked to make the speech because you're an expert on the subject. Or you're a very great friend. Um, you've been asked for a reason. Now, so you, you take that. You, you say to yourself, fine. They've asked me. Therefore, they must want me to do it. Now, I'm scared of doing it. It's true. It's my feeling. What am I going to do to mitigate that fear? And what I'm saying is, know what you want the audience to do. Write the speech. The greatest confidence giver is to know your speech, and you know it's good. And once you've got that, when you get up to speak, the single most important thing is to stand square. Your feet, your hips, your shoulders are all in line and you take three deep breaths before you speak. I can assure you it changes how you feel. That's interesting. And, and then you make the speech. People are afraid of it and they, they, they know they're afraid of it. And then you embrace the fear. I am afraid of it, but I've been asked to do it, and I'm going to do the best I can. That is absolutely brilliant advice. And I love that about standing square and taking the three deep breaths and embracing the fear. I mean, I know they say embrace the fear and do it anyway, and you've just confirmed that. Tell me something before we wrap up here. Is there a follow-up book um, in the works? It's not a big thing in life, too. <laughs> uh, look, this is taking me a long time to write. Although my son, my son David said I've been writing it for 50 years. Um, no, I think there's edition two because I think there's a lot, as you say, you know, there, there are two lines or a, a chapter. You know, there are books written on what I've got in one chapter. Yeah. My son David said, great summary, Dad. <laughs> um, but uh, I haven't got in mind a different kind of book, just an addition to where I can add on to what I've got. So I've got my Word document, and I can track changes for the next edition. And, uh, yeah, elaborate on, on certain things and, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think uh, the grandchildren can, can also add in and uh, I think that's a fabulous idea and I think we can look forward to that I'm looking forward Janice, to that I want to say one thing Yeah. before I go the book wasn't meant to be written as advice right it's meant to be considerations so I want you to think about this I want you to consider what I'm saying I don't want to be um, didactic. I don't want to say this is the only way. Right. 
There's suggestion advice, as you say, but I'm saying I want you to think about this. If you don't agree with this sort of suggestion, that's absolutely fine as long as you've thought about it, as long as you've given it considerations. Because I've found advice, and I try not to give advice. Advice to young people usually does not go that well. It doesn't end well, I've learned to say. (laughs) Arnie Whitkin, thank you for those words of wisdom. It's been wonderful chatting to you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Janice. I've enjoyed it very much. Thank you. And for you listening, I recommend that you go and buy It's Not a Big Thing in Life, Strategies for Coping, Considerations for My Adult Grandchildren. And as I always say, take care of yourself, take care of each other, wear a mask, 